Hi, welcome to the film, The Geek Collective. This is George, a.k.a. Spike Green. The song being used is Welcome to the Show by Kevin MacLeod. Now, our subject today is controversial films. This episode will be explicit because it contains uh, mainly just language, but, you know, uh, uh, since we're talking about controversial films, we're going to have uh, a bit of discussion about those, so without further ado, let's do the shout-outs. Mary Amber, LC Cool, Tessie Cat, Ashy Slashy, and finally, Real Sharks Podcast, a.k.a. Riri Sharky. So now, on with the show. Let's go. Now, the first film I'm going to discuss is... I'm going to discuss the uh, historical 1935. And when I say controversial, I mean this one is just downright terrible in its in its morals. Just know that I do not condone it whatsoever, and I purely purely viewed this for historical value. And that is the 1935 Nazi propaganda film, Triumph of the Will. So, the challenge is, how do we introduce troublesome works in the right context, but condemn them for what they stand for? I mean, you know, I think that artistically, there are things in here that that were pioneered, like low angles and aerial photography, which I'll briefly get to later, the aerial photography. But the fact that YouTube won't carry it due to anti-discrimination policies, that's understandable. However, I just want to say that if it's historically important and in the public domain, I say the public has a right to see it, particularly if you're a history buff and you're looking through Adolf Hitler's, you know, life. But yeah... I watched this for the purpose of this podcast just before I recorded. It's a very, it's a very historically uh, known film. It's a very uh, influential film, despite being a Nazi propaganda piece. The Lion King and Star Wars both include references to Triumph of the Will. Star Wars modelled the stormtroopers on the Nazis in this film. Basically, you know, crowds of stormtroopers crowds of Nazis, the similarities, but one of the marching sequences in Triumph is replicated by the evil hyenas in Lion King, because we all know that they don't come any worse than the Nazis, huh? This film is a terrible atrocity involving a racist party, but as a movie, it's very historically important. But, yeah, I think, as I said before, people should be able to see this one. You can look online and find it pretty easy with subtitles. But there are such uh, there are such moves. Keep in mind cinematography until this point. It was barely anything. Like they were just starting maybe in the 20s. No, maybe 30s. But they were just pushing cinematography slowly. It was at first very stagey. Just see a trip to the moon for such things, right? And yeah, like it was like you were watching something on a stage. But then they decided to start playing with the... Uh, with uh, different shots of different people. They didn't have the deep focus yet. So often in in like Errol Flynn films, there'd be a, a shallow depth of focus, you know? Like, you can barely see anything past. But depth of focus wouldn't come to Citizen Kane in 1942, a film which by itself was controversial. But yeah, I can get back to that. So yeah, we have camera pans across cheering crowds and a camera stationary on five people across frame giving the dreaded salute. That also we intercut, and that's a great example of cross-cutting and pioneering that technique, 
close-ups of the plane coming in and uh, Hitler appearing first at eye level. Multiple cars to the left driving past crowds on the right. You know, shots like this that are really composed and some of it may well have been staged, staged for the camera. Now, this is forgetting its purpose to advocate discrimination, which again, I do not approve of, okay? I do not approve of it, that. <sighs> In fact, it was downright chilling to see this... Hitler just control crowds like he did. Unfortunately, evil tends to have a big influence on the world and we can only fight it so much, but we'll continue the good fight. As for technical things, there are low angles of standing soldiers and shots of the crowd saluting from various angles and one thing that Adolf Hitler insisted on was that he be filmed from low angles. You can... Uh, he appears more sparingly to, I would say, in in the purpose of the documentary, they wanted you to anticipate Hitler, but we, at least I, dreaded him. I just think he's the personification of evil, you know? And probably so do you. Most likely so do you. I, 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 I would hope so. But, yeah. <sighs> There are still a great couple of shots at 41 minutes of the shadows of Nazis in front of flames. This is purely an aesthetic thing, though, you know? But shots like that. But, yeah. In fact, did you know that also from 1935 to 1945, 1945 being when World War II ended, this was mandatory viewing in German schools until Germany banned it? To this day, Germany is deeply regretful about the Nazis. At 22 and a half minutes, the speeches begin, the first speech ending at roughly 31 and a half minutes. Then Hitler himself stands in front of 52,000 brainwashed people, showing evil, corrupting influence to the point where the crowd chants and sings. It may be a difficult watch, but if you are becoming a film student or learning about film, I still encourage you to at least watch bits of this. See his speeches, see how they create montages. You know, I watched the whole thing out of pure curiosity. But yeah, aerial photography, which I mentioned earlier, that is featured about 65 minutes in. You see swarms of Nazis in an upside-down U-formation, walking away from the camera and walking back in that direction in just an ant-like swarm. And yeah, that's another great example of composition. And at 80 minutes, well, you know how you get in films like Thor Ragnarok and Black Panther, those shots that start upside down, then go right side up? This had one of those. So at 80 minutes in Triumph of the Will, you actually got reflections marching right before it pans up and shows them right side up. And in the end, at 90 minutes, there's another Star Wars connection there. Three people walking through the middle, and various crowds on the sides cheering. And then, another angle of them walking toward the stage. And you'll definitely recognise that shot if you're a fan of Star Wars like I am. Only, I love that Star Wars really just flipped it on its head. Made it for the heroes instead of the Nazis, you know? Intended it to what they meant to do in the for, it, for the Nazis' target audience, but doing it so that it was that it was for our audience specifically. We hate the Nazis. We don't want the Nazis to win. 
I mean, in Star Wars, they just defeated the Nazis. I, I mean, stormtroopers. And, hey, why not cause a little celebration? <laughs> yeah. So also in relation to the contents of this documentary, we want to see no more class divisions. That's what Hitler spouts hypocritically in relation to the Reich. You must be peace-loving and courageous at the same time, he says. Here is a man full of contradictions, and a man who committed crimes, let alone crimes against humanity, and yet a crowd can be brainwashed into believing him and keeping such a vile individual in power. This is a human rights issue, a man who is deeply bigoted and appeals to the lowest common denominator, yet gathers so many deluded fucking followers. And these bigots, in my humble opinion, can just fuck off. Good riddance to them. I am so sorry, but bigotry in any form makes me pissed. We still can't censor such things, though, because it's of historical value. The film itself is little more than montages of Nazi flags, celebrations, crowds cheering and trumpets playing, with the occasional speech. It doesn't stand up well as a film, but it's absolutely essential to film history. Now, on to other films. So, A Clockwork Orange was pulled... I love A Clockwork Orange. It makes me think. It make, It's a film that absolutely is just an examination of violence, but, you know... I I think that un, at least A Clockwork Orange isn't bigoted in its point of view, you know? It's harder to watch Triumph of the Will because we know the Nazis have done those crimes and and committed all those atrocities. So in a way, Triumph is more disturbing because we know that we are watching real people who committed real atrocities as opposed to a fictional criminal in, say, A Clockwork Orange... So yes, A Clockwork Orange was pulled from Britain by Stanley Kubrick himself, for fear people would copy the crimes. It's a thought-provoking examination about violence, it's not meant to glamorise it. However, it's long been debated whether films cause violence. <laughs> A Clockwork Orange, Fight Club and now Joker are some examples. Some people thought train spotting would advocate drug use, just because it alternates between people thinking heroin injection's the best thing since sliced bread, when actually... It's an anti-drug film that scares the sensible away from drugs. Now, I personally think that if you raise your child right, violent films don't make them violent. You teach them wrong and right, they will not become violent. Hell, I play Mortal Kombat and I'm just fine. And, you know, I think that controversial films have a place. It, It gets people to debate. It gets people to ask questions in the good examples of Joker and Clockwork Orange, creating the debate about these issues that we need to talk about. You know, older films like Taxi Driver, these were more daring in showing a character study of one man slowly going insane. And that's the last film that I would, what, that I would expect to cause violence. But then some nutcase tried to shoot someone to please Jodie Foster, tried to shoot a political figure to please Jodie Foster. Obviously, that did not work. But, yeah, only the deluded really just take that to heart. Sensible viewers like us, everyone who is just watching films for their value, we know that we absolutely cannot let true crime happen. It makes for interesting movies, but 
we can't let crime happen outside of that. I encourage you, you know, maybe, you know, give word of mouth on Twitter. This, maybe donate to someone occasionally. UNICEF, World Vision, whatever charity that you have. The Salvation Army, you know, I walk down to the Salvation Army. Every time I buy a movie there, they give money straight to the charity and those in need, you know? Yeah, so... I reckon that controversial films really just get me thinking. I think that a lot of films play it too safe these days. Now, it's fine for some films to play it safe, but then but then sometimes you need to be shocked, like with a graphic depiction of violence, in order for a film to make a point. Or, you know, if it's a, uh, if it's a drama that is set in the past era, and the values are not the same as today's, it's important to keep them consistent. We can't erase history. You know, there's also stuff like the Looney Tunes cartoons that Warner Brothers puts uh, racism warnings before them. It's good that they don't censor them. You know, they they don't censor them. They just have the warning, which is, I think that is absolutely fantastic. And Disney Plus does much the same thing with the, in the synopsis, contains outdated cultural depictions. I think that, honestly, I really, it's tougher to watch a film if there's bigotry in it. I know if it's older, it depends on the context and all that, but it's just tougher to watch if there's discrimination. So, yeah, it's it's easier the newer the film is, because, you know, society's evolved at least a little bit there, you know? And I love to be challenged in the movies. I love to think for myself. I love just everything about movies. Movies are an art form, and art is designed to provoke. Now, I, again, I do not condone Triumph of the Will, but it is still a piece of history that must be preserved. But I do not condone it, just to make that super, super clear. So yeah, that's, uh, I think that's all I have time for today. But yeah, that's my point. Don't shut films out just because they're controversial. Now again, I'm going to do the shout-outs. Three, two, one, and... Shout-outs to Mary Amber, Tessie Cat. I'm going to shout-out to that Patrick guy as well. I'm going to shout-out to Real Sharks, aka Ririshaku, LC Cool. And yeah, is that everybody? Oh, Ashy Slashy, of course. All right, well... See you on the other side, peoples. Don't forget to leave any constructive criticism or or feedback on on Twitter, um, on the page George, aka Spike Green. And uh, when I ask you guys, you know, do you wanna, what do you want me to improve? Please say stuff because I don't know if I can improve anything unless I get feedback. So that'd be much appreciated. Yeah, I thank you all, and you're always welcome at the Film Geek Collective. And don't you forget it. All right, peace out.